Productions. This show is all about the people behind the science of biotechnology and medical devices. Through the stories of the people, I hope that Lab Rats to Unicorns is able to describe the transformative process of you know, how an idea starts in the lab and eventually becomes a life-saving treatment or a product that, that helps patients with diseases. Life-saving. Life, life in this episode of Lab Rats to Unicorns, we dive deep into the intricacies of life science, career development, startup creation, and the burgeoning life sciences ecosystem in Atlanta. Um, I'm joined by my uh, colleague and co-conspirator, Sunalu May, um, but also really delighted to welcome Erica Jefferson from Black Women in Science and Engineering, or BYs for short. Um, this conversation will navigate the essential balance between innovation and responsibility and thinking about diversity and inclusion as we build innovative companies to treat um, important diseases, provide important levels of care um, to all kinds of populations um, as we move forward. Um, so, Erica, welcome to the podcast. Thank um, you. A little bit about Erica. Um, she stands at the intersection of leadership, innovation, and advocacy in the STEM world. She's the president and founder of Be Wise, an in initiative born out of the need to bridge the leadership gap for black women in STEM fields. Her academic foundation with a BS in chemical engineering from Louisiana State University and an MBA from Georgia Tech set the stage for her career that spanned various roles and cities. Having worked at industry-leading companies like Amico, BP, Chevron, and Praxair, Erica's roles have ranged from sales and business development to supply chain and operational functions. Her professional journey, taking her to locales from Chicago to Houston, echoes her adaptability and breadth of experience. And through BeWise, Erica channels her insights and experiences to support and uplift black women in STEM, addressing both the challenges they face and the opportunities that lie ahead. So great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I did all that. What? Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we, if you wouldn't mind, just do a level set and sure. talk um, to our audience about things that you're focused on at Be Wise, present sure. day um, areas of um, uh, initiative and kind of your vision for what your uh, work entails. Absolutely. So to be honest, I am an engineer turned marketing promotion person although I don't sure I don't do that well as those who have been trained uh, for many years doing it and what started out a small group of folks in Houston has now evolved to seven chapters around the country I think we have 30,000 followers on social media. It's just evolved beyond what I could have imagined. Certainly as someone who has a technical background is not trained in coalition building or anything like that. So it's just amazing to me um, that we've evolved from providing information to our members uh, but working for some of the company, country's largest uh, companies, a lot of folks in pharma and biotech, some of our large companies who are looking for talent. And as I've heard over the last few years, uh, there's just a shortage of talent. And I, my response is always, well, where are you looking? So I think we've been successful in working with some of our wonderful partners like AbbVie in the Chicago area and really folks around the country and 
connecting them with pockets of talent because the talent exists. I always tell folks who are saying, oh, it's a talent shortage. Um, you really have to be part of an ecosystem. Um, every year, according to the National Science Foundation, 27,000 black women get degrees in science and engineer, engineering every year. Where are they? They're, they've gone somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we just need to find them. So what started off as you know being a, a support system for women evolved to supporting women and uh, our corporate partners in, in their search for talent. Um, and now evolving again into adding to those two things, but also providing resources to folks who are crazy enough to want to start a business in STEM. And how do you give them the tools and the resources that they need? So we're excited uh, to continue to doing all of this work and working with awesome companies like Portal. So Well, it sounds like you're really set at the interface of, you know, kind of those corporate opportunities mm-hmm. and you get the chance to kind of um, be in between each, you know, the talent pool on the mm-hmm. one end and then also the individual, you know, companies and collaborators that you're working on and and with on, on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um can you describe and maybe break down a little bit more around some of the options that maybe a um, a woman scientist can pursue? And I know that's a pretty big question, right. but just examples of options that would be uh, available that you're seeing kind of come from these larger and emerging companies that might attract a, a, a bright uh, um, scientists, you know, that that sees that that option and alternative for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, when I was a young engineer, you had two tracks. You had the technical track or the commercial track. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way you could cross over to the commercial track was to go back to get an MBA. Um, I think uh, as business has evolved, people are saying, you know, you've got a lot of other strategic talents that may be beneficial in other areas. And so where folks, you know, kind of stay the traditional route, I'm a scientist, I'm an engineer, I'm going to lead scientists and engineers. They're finding there's so many other things that you can do with this degree. That's what they told us in engineering school. You could do anything with this engineering degree. And then we got in these fields and are like, hey, I I haven't been able to get out of this. I want to do something different. But I think companies are being more receptive now to to folks who have the critical thinking skills that engineering provide engineering for sure provides you and that you can do things I've met women who are working as a lobbyist for their industry and they had to have that you know, heavy technical understanding to be able to do that. Certainly in medicine and in pharma and and biotech, having that understanding of both the science and also the commercial impact and the societal impact. uh, We're multifaceted. Most times if if we have pursued or persevered through science and engineering, we usually have multiple skills uh, that can be used in other ways. So just number one, getting women to believe that that's the, that's probably harder than getting the companies to be interested in them is, is, like, no, you can do this. There are mm-hmm. opportunities for you to use those skills and leadership that you've developed running that that production line or doing something very technical that can apply in other areas. I did it. Um, I think I fell into it, but mm-hmm. we want more folks to have a conscious decision to pursue other things, certainly as you get more mature in your career and your age. Like, it just can't be climbing up on chemical tanks anymore. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you get folks to realize that no, I have some skills that can be useful in other parts of the business. I don't just have to be working in the science and engineering realm. But dive a little bit deeper into kind of what brought you into that um, crossover um, where you've, you know, very humbly said, you know, you, you, you're you in marketing, you're communicating, mm-hmm. um, you're uh, providing a narrative and you're creating a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were skills that, you know, you really drew out of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Was that, and if I'm thinking about up and coming talent, 
there isn't certainly there are educational programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got your MBA. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's academics that can kind of support and formalize the training in mm-hmm. a given area. Mm-hmm. But would you agree that exposure is really important exposure too? Like is you very you you must have been exposed to opportunities that caused you to be excited about you know moving in that direction. Maybe mm-hmm. you could talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I think as a young engineer, I didn't even know there were other jobs. I didn't know what the accountants did or the marketing folks did. But I was fortunate in a fairly early role that I had a, a manager. I guess he didn't know any better than to let me do these things. Mm. (laughs) He let me try these things, and he was really the one that planted the idea of thinking beyond science and engineering. And he said, you, uh, because he had his MBA and a chemical engineering degree, and he said, you need to understand business and finance. That's the finance is the language of business. So you're doing, I was doing these deals putting together uh, contracts for our clients. And he said, you don't even know what you're entering into the spreadsheet. Go get some financial training. And I did. I enrolled in a a short course at Georgia Tech. Uh, I think it's uh, financial literacy for non-financial managers. And I was like, wow, this is really great. So I enrolled in my MBA, and then I could see having gone through that. Wow, I don't, I didn't really know a lot about business, and I think that's the challenge of not just women engineers, engineers in general. We talked about this this morning at our event. Is we are so sometimes limited in just the role that we do. We don't see the other things that cause a business to be profitable. And so having that opportunity to have lunch with the president of our organization at that time and attend conferences, um, and then I was already doing you know, the customer visits and things like that, allowed me to put all the pieces together. We talk a lot about engineers being great at what they do, but sometimes engineering um, could be limiting because we think we know everything, unfortunately, and we don't. <laughs> um, but being able to see how this engineering is just a small part, or science, just a small part of the business, right? You still got to make the product, you got to sell the product, or in the case of software, you got to market it and sell it and get people to be interested. And all those things are beyond the development uh, of it in the very beginning. And so getting women to not just be exposed to it, but even think that they could partake in it, right? Yeah. That's huge. We, we, I don't think we'll ever stop working on that because every day I meet someone, especially folks in the PhD uh, arena, who I just, I could never, I could never do that. I was like, you have a whole PhD. Yeah. <laughs> means you can learn. You're, yeah. You can be taught. Yeah. Uh, but just explaining them and them seeing other folks, to your point about exposure, seeing other women doing those things. Yeah. We had a dinner one time in Dallas and usually I have everyone do introductions around the table, who they are, what their degree is in. And about midway of this dinner, the lady said, oh, I'm a chemical engineer. I work on innovation for Samsung. I travel all around the world. But I have an office in China. And everybody was just like, well, I'm not doing anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody after her was just like, I'm not really uh, sure what I'm doing. So it's really interesting to see that one person, yeah. you know, have people reevaluate. Well, gosh, maybe I should be doing yes. more. She's doing all this. Yes. Uh, but just seeing folks do that. I Suna knows this. I, I'm always sharing what amazing work our members, our community is doing. Because I want people in our community and also outside our community to see what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not just about sharing and celebrating people doing the first or being the first. But showing like, yeah, we've been doing things. We've been doing, doing things all along. So I think exposure is very important to your point. Um, 
I know Suna has a question, I can tell in her eyes, but <laughs> before she asks, I want to know, um, and our audience wants to know, what really got you into STEM in the first place? What Was there a North Star? Was mm -hmm. there uh, a person or mm -hmm. a an event that mm -hmm. kind of in inspired you to get started? Mm-hmm. Well, my dad is a math teacher, mm -hmm. so I was already kind of being pushed into something technical, but I was a member, this is dating me, I was a member of uh, Explorers. Uh, the Boy Scouts had a program called Explorers where after school you would go and learn about, you know, different fields. And I went to this event. I loved chemistry. And I was like, I'm going to be a chemist. And I forget the name of the speaker, but he was very well known, probably scientist and engineer. And he's like, no, you don't you don't want to be a chemist. Hmm. I was like, I don't. Hmm. He was like, no, you want to be a chemical engineer because chemical engineers make the most money. And I was like, oh, that's that's exactly yeah, what I want right. to do. <laughs> <laughs> you're very right. You're a very smart man. I do want to be a chemical engineer. <laughs> so from there, I don't, I literally, I had friends who I went to U of I with who changed majors and they always say, look to your left, look to your right. Those people will not be here at the end of the semester, of course, they were right, uh, who changed their manager ma majors and graduated in finance and other things, but I never deviated. It's been chemical engineering the entire time. Uh, I've learned so much about work, about myself. I was, uh, as the mayor said, uh, he was my intern. And so at a very early age, leading production teams and things like that. And I looked back, I was like, wow, I did do a lot of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so. Out. Yeah, it turns out. But I've, I've also I also worked at Marshall Fields for a year, yeah. so I did well, a lot of things. You know, talk about that for a second, though. I mean, so I'm not, and, and I'm not meaning to make light of this yeah. at all. I mean, there's 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 realities, and that yeah. that's customer service. Yeah. I'm trying to tease out what got you to cross over into what you've described as marketing or communications. Mm -hmm. I mean, serving in that role in a service role. I mean, that's 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 really forging probably some of the skills that you're utilizing yeah, to this day. Absolutely. Sometimes we're so close to it, we can't see. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as most parents, when I can't, I graduated mid-semester, or not mid-semester, but wasn't in June when all the, most of the grads come out. So I came back to Chicago and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go work in Marshall Fields, which for those who don't know is a large department store based in Chicagoland. And I loved it. My my dad hated it, but I loved it because I got to work in all the departments. I learned everything. I worked in men's. I worked in babies. I worked in China. And I did not see then being knowledgeable about a lot of different areas would prepare me for this. So now when I'm talking to someone about clean energy tech or I'm talking about biotech or I'm talking about quantum computing, I have no fear because I'm like, oh, I just Google that and learn that. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's I all think different departments in Marshall different Fields. Different departments in Marshall Fields. <laughs> so on the second floor, on the bottom floor. <laughs> so I, I, I couldn't have imagined back then that that would prepare me for what I'm doing. But all of it, all of it, the good, the bad, all of it prepared me for doing what I'm doing now. And, you know, I I don't regret it. I tell people, once you figure out what you're put on earth to do, not just that you'll be happy because, you know, this this myth that, oh, I'm happy, that's temporal. But once you figure out what I'm supposed to do, I think the Japanese have a concept called ikigai, which is what you're supposed to do, what you're good at, and something else. I forget the other one. Then, you know, yeah, it's work. I have to do things that need to be done, but it's it's not Tiresome. Yeah, it's fulfilling. Right, it's fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I know at the end... You're making an impact. I'm making an impact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm um, just 
carrying on with what you were just saying, because I think in your story and, and having not having a fear of stepping into different aspects of life, mm-hmm. let alone departments mm-hmm. at Marshall Fields, mm-hmm. I do think that there's this overarching, when I think about Be Wise, you're really taking your own personal feats mm-hmm. and then exposing, introducing, creating a community where people are celebrated for their talent development. Mm-hmm. And I do, you know, just to the point of, there was a time where I think um, there's there was this big push to get students into STEM fields. Absolutely. And then, you know, you've got your targeted youth programs. Then you've got the support programs to help get them into college mm-hmm. to actually major into STEM. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I think about how we've had conversations around what do you do once you reach a certain point in your career? Mm-hmm. I think there has to be this uh, exposure mm-hmm. and, and almost... Um, a new way of thought about talent development in the deep tech technical expertise. And so I, I want to talk to you more about like, you know, people say there are no qualified people, but I sometimes I think it, the challenge is for employers to see it more of as like, how do we develop so that the pipeline isn't blocked versus right. it doesn't exist? Right, right. Um, I think... Certainly when I was young, no one said, you know where, like, if you remember the movie with Dustin Hoffman, when he was like, what is the future? And he's like, plastics. Do you know that? I can't think of the The graduate. The graduate. Thank you. No one said, you know where you need to think. And, you know, things change. Who could have predicted the iPhone 30 years ago? Mm -hmm. Right. But no one said, you know where you should look? There were no, I remember going to the library. There were no books on what a chemical engineer did. Right. If you weren't already in the profession. So I was like, maybe if I had other, you know, advice, I would have made a different path, but still in chemical engineering. So I think this is a lesson for K-12 educators, college uh professors and presidents, we've got to do a better job of of saying where the opportunities are for students. Now, if you're wealthy, then you can get a a degree in rhythmic dance. That's perfectly fine because you're probably not going to need money. But for the rest of us, we should really be aware or exposed to where the opportunities are going to go. I think about cybersecurity and how they're always saying, oh, we need a million more cybersecurity. Well, 10 years ago, maybe you should have taught that in, in, in high school, right? Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. you should have done that. So, you know, with Google and the internet, it, it makes it possible for people to find things on their own. Uh, but, you know, kids, I mean, if you've ever spoken to kids, this generation of children, school-age children, they're not like previous generations where you're like, you want to work at NASA? That sounds cool. They're like, eh, I don't know. So yeah. I think, you know, whether it's, you know, school-age children or f- folks who are needing to pivot um, to any other areas, I've, I've been trying to get as many people as I know who have technical backgrounds to consider pharma, biotech, because, you know, that's the one thing that's never going to stop is the need for health care. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with all the variety of experiences people can bring, there's a role for everyone. We just have to figure out where it is, what part of the country it's in, and what organizations are looking for those folks so are you noticing to any degree um on the talent pipeline side of things Mm -hmm. um you mentioned kind of the next generation Mm -hmm. and the way they think and maybe differently than the way we were thinking about Mm -hmm. you know our respective paths um with the prior generation but are you noticing anything or trends toward uh, a desire to you know kind of 
participate in entrepreneurship um, as it relates to, to STEM? Or is that something that seems foreign as well? How, how, how does that, how does entrepreneurship fit into um, talent development and the way they're thinking about either joining a large company or engaging with a startup or, you know, moving down a more, um, uh, a non-conventional pathway to practice? For the younger people, absolutely. You know, schools have programs now in innovation and entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, I think they were exposed to it. So it's not foreign. It's not as scary as it, you know, would have been to us. You know, you could start, you know, with a laptop or even your phone. You could get a Canva account and, you know, all these things. And you could have a business by the end of the day. That was not the case, as I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. you couldn't start a business overnight, Mm -hmm. you know. And so... You know, that's probably been our largest challenge in this area. And it's hard. I just saw, uh, I think he's uh, CEO of Indivia, I can't think of the name. And he said if he had to start it all over again, he would never have started a business. Mm. So it's hard and it's not for everyone, but there's different degrees, right? You could be a solopreneur. So maybe you just have three or four clients. You're not, you know looking for funding or VC yep. cash. Yep. Um, so I think we have to open people's minds about what that looks like. Yes. Entrepreneurship is not the same as being a startup founder. I know lots of entrepreneurs, but yes. they haven't taken any investment cash. Yes. They probably couldn't get any if they wanted to True. because they're looking for the new, the shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have to think of how people are going to earn a living differently. Yeah. Uh, no one's getting 30-year gold watches anymore. Those right. days are ever, yeah. for, never going to come back, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so if you plan on living and eating and having a place to live, you've got to figure out how I'm going to earn money. And certainly as Gen X gets older, and I'm seeing this from a technical standpoint, I always look at major catastrophes and my first thought is I bet you it wasn't an older engineer who was responsible for it how are we gonna continue to stay relevant especially we're living longer so mm-hmm. where you may have retired at 60 sure. people are still working right. Right? right and so how do those folks pivot get mm-hmm. the, to- the skills and tools that they need mm-hmm. to either stay relevant in a job or say you know what I've got a lot of good information somebody should pay me for this mm-hmm. um, how do you get to them and encourage them and support them. Uh, certainly when it comes to technology, I know when I was an engineer, some of the equipment was the same age I was. And it's still probably at that plant now. Mm-hmm. So who who's gonna maintain that stuff? It's mm-hmm. not gonna be the younger folks. It's gonna be someone who's had 20 years experience. They know that you have to tap it on the side two times <laughs> uh, to get it to run. So yeah. we've, we've, we've gotta do a better job because uh, the need is there. The need is there to have folks who know how to do things, right? We're getting more technology, but that doesn't mean things are not breaking down. And so how do you, you know, bring everyone uh, into the fold as far as opportunities in biotech or clean tech or any, you know, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm only focused on hard tech. Suna knows this whenever someone's like, oh, I've got this hair. I was like, lotions and potions. I don't do no lotions and potions. If it's not hard tech, I'm send you someplace else. Uh, how do you get those folks who have these traditional technical degrees uh, to stay and, and not take that tribal knowledge out? Right. Um, can you can you wrap that up in a business, right? Or be a consultant? Yes. So that's kind of what we're trying to, to do. And I think it's great to see young people have no fear, like, I'm going to start a business. Like, you just graduated last yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes ignorance is the way you got to get underway and take a risk and find out that it's a lot harder than you thought. 
I, I just there was a, a, a can't think of the name of the company, but I remember one of the co-founders had an economics degree, and they just got millions of dollars on this uh, biotech company. And I was like, if an economics person who has no science could be brave enough to start a biotech company, why can't you? As yeah. I, I know, we're very conservative. Uh, but we've got to encourage more of that, of scientists to say, I, I want to leave the bench. I don't have to stay on the bench my whole career. I want to mm-hmm. do something else. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I do also want to focus on BYs and kind of your last point, because I think it's you, you've gone deep with a lot of um, people who fit a profile of what you think would be make great entrepreneurs, especially mm-hmm. in the in the deep tech space. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what do you think their perceived hurdles are that you you would like more education and exposure around so that you can demystify what it's going to take? Like, what are some of their hesitations that you're just like, that's more, that's a psychological it burden, is. not necessarily a real tangible. I, I, sometimes I just want to grab them. And I was like, you can do this. It, it's such a, and I don't know, I'll just speak to, you know, folks who are very deep in their their technology area. Even yesterday we had, uh, you know, PhD, she has her own lab here in Atlanta. Just, I don't know if I have an MVP. You know, just the hesitation and, you know, I said, I wish I had the confidence of someone who didn't know any better to do something, right? Mm-hmm, you just, mm-hmm. you don't know any better. That's yeah. going to fail. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. To, to, to help folks see their value more clearly. If you fail, you fail. You right. fail at work all the time when you work for these companies. Yeah. You're not devastated. Well, most of us are not devastated. And just have the 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 courage to try it. If mm-hmm. it doesn't work, go back to corporate if, if that's what you want to do. But not be limited. There's so much need in healthcare and med tech in all areas that you know we don't have folks enough folks doing things. We've got a lot of folks that I say are doing lifestyle technology, right? Mm-hmm. You're helping me do this better. I always use the example of Juicero, which was the company that had the, uh, I guess they were trying to make a Keurig, but for juicing. And they got, I think, $360 million. And someone posted a video of a little girl squeezing the bag. She was, I think she was two years old. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why would you need a $600 machine <laughs> if a little <laughs> child could squeeze it? But they got the money. Yeah. So we need more folks who are like, you know, I have an idea. I'm going to try it. Yeah. And the resources, too. I think the resources are just mm-hmm. as important, if not more important. If you don't think you're going to have access to capital or experts or other things and you're certainly less likely to want to stick your toe out and do it so as i i say frequently if the nsf could fund the uh eye color of the frog tree frog and give that person 10 million dollars certainly there are some other things that they could be funding Mm -hmm. uh that are you know as important or more important that can be impactful. That's the thing I yep. always look for. Is it impactful? Is right. it going to cause other things to happen as a result of people seeing or hearing that or being part of that? And then it's it's a multiplier effect, mm-hmm. right? Someone did that. Oh, I want to help. I want to be a part of that. Yes. And so that's, you know, a, a, as an engineer, I'm always looking at the next step. Okay, yeah. I did this, and that led to these four other things. And and I think that there's a lot of other like-minded people like you that, you know, you're inspiring them to kind of take those risks, but it is in an area that is defined by, one can call it deep tech, others would call it hard tech, and there's a reason it's called hard tech. It's mm-hmm. You do need that engineering power 
powerhouse mind um, in the mix mm-hmm. as part of a team to to do those things. And oftentimes, I think it can be a heavier lift or a perceived heavier lift, mm-hmm. and um, and maybe a hesitancy that is always this the barrier of you know the, well, I always say perfect is the enemy of the good, exactly. you know, because you you have to work with what you have, and if you've got that you know prototype, keep moving forward and. Why not ask? Exactly. Why not try? And, exactly. and I think, but that is a definitely a, a mentality. It's a psychological um, potential barrier, and I think some of that can be alleviated by maybe sharing the risk with other people, mm-hmm. being part of a community, um, being connected, and seeing others that have done it before, mm-hmm. mentoring those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Which I know Be Wise is involved in all those elements, mm-hmm. and so I think it is. It is interesting, and I think it's also imperative. I mean, think about the U.S. and think about the world conditions right mm-hmm. now. You know, never has there been a better time to catapult forward with science. All exactly. the things we talk about, you know, that all involve STEM. Um, you know, AI and uh, quantum and, you know, biomedical innovation in whole, so many different ways, cell therapy, gene therapy. Exactly. So it's really a tremendous time to be an innovator. And yet it's kind of a scary time, too, because, you know, we're it's always competitive, right? Always There's stuff going on in the other parts of the world. And so, you know, how do you think about that? you know, in, in your role at Be Wise, um, even for yourself, continuing to propel yourself mm-hmm. forward, mm-hmm. I would think that would be a big motivating factor too, is that, I mean, you're, you're propelling, <laughs> you're propelling the, the nation forward. Right. Is that a part of the, your thought? Absolutely. I, I, I view the work that we do for advocacy, whether it's for corporate folks who are looking for talent or, you know, creating the next unicorn in, as we're talking about lab rats and unicorns, uh, how do you encourage that how do you build that I always say you could take someone with a modicum of talent but just the passion right this is this journey certainly for entrepreneurship is not for the weak of heart there are many a times where people are like why are you doing that and you gotta believe I I know what I'm doing I know it looks bad from the outside but I I know what I'm doing but that passion to do this that hopefully will change the world and then just the positive attitude I always say that uh, you know, people have gotten more things from peeping liking them than actually looking at the books. Oh, yeah, this is going to make me a lot of money. Like, no, some deals are made because they just like you. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, you know, how do you develop that? I think when you we have a sense of confidence about who you are, yeah. you don't have all the hangups or the insecurities that make people, I'll say it grumpy for a lot a better term. Yeah, almost how the way do, you carry yourself. Yeah, how do you carry yourself mm-hmm. that, you know, some people are just magnets. If you've ever met someone, you're like, I don't know why that person, why do I like that person? Mm-hmm. No, they've got something to them. Mm-hmm. Those people are able to do things that some of us can't do mm-hmm. just on sheer, just sheer force of personality. Mm-hmm. People just want to help them and yeah. give them things. So how do you encourage folks to dig deep and I guess find their truest self and then align that with what the needs are, right? And yeah. so that's what hopefully they see me out here at events, talking, doing a myriad of things. Probably I'm not qualified to do, but I do them anyway. Mm-hmm. And that people are like, well, she did it. I, I can do that too. And maybe bring it closer to home now. Let's talk a little bit about Atlanta, you know, kind of where it is today. Um, maybe some you know, uh, reflections on where it's come from and then your vision for the future, the opportunity for, you know, STEM talent pool, particularly diverse STEM talent pool here um, right at home. Mm-hmm. Why Atlanta? Why B-Wise? Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, there's so many. I, I've talked about this to a number of folks. Atlanta is just a special place. 
good for bad. Um, just the number of schools here, and I think that's key. I, I talk about uh, the Biohub in Chicago, and I, I think I figured out how they're making these decisions on where they're going to go. And I said, you've got to have a talent pool of folks uh, to make this work. Um, Atlanta's very entrepreneurial, not necessarily in uh, profitable businesses always, but I think a lot of folks here have the idea that I could be my own boss, so that's that's a good factor. However, we historically have not had the industry here mm -hmm. in life sciences. When I moved here many, many years ago, I had to leave. There were no jobs here in Atlanta at that time for someone with a chemical engineering degree, even though Georgia Tech had chemical engineering over there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it has evolved that much. I know the effort and the, the, the desire is here, mm -hmm. but there's still, you know, there's still other cities that are far ahead of Atlanta as far as, you know, density of technical folks that mm -hmm. are not tech. They're not a computer science related right, folks. Right. Um, so I think that's key. And I, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing by both Emory and Georgia Tech and Georgia State and the AU Center uh, that I think they, they see that now. They mm -hmm. were like, oh, yeah, we, we've got to keep them here. That's the when I was in sales, the it's easier to keep a client than to get a new one. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And so how do we keep the folks who are in this area from leaving and taking that talent away? And then how do you attract folks here? So I think Atlanta doesn't have a problem attracting folks. I mean, probably for good or for bad. Uh, it's a growth it, city. It's a growth city. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, a, it's not Miami by any means, but I think people like coming here to Atlanta. I think in the last two weeks, there have been three huge conferences here. Uh, so people like coming to Atlanta. I think certainly for, for diverse folks, it could feel like a safe place in a world that could be so questionable or you know concerning for your safety for some folks it's very welcoming city hmm. uh we have to just put the pieces together mm -hmm. and i think it's great that you know the mayor of atlanta is himself a technical person so he understands that intersection between you know the the m municipal and also the corporate and, and, yeah. and business world um that is pretty cool i mean that think is about cool. it you know as a georgia tech you know engineer that's the mayor of Atlanta, you know, with a with a vision, and he, as he has said, he's a problem solver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's he's perfectly suited for you know what what happens should, next. Maybe that should be a requirement. You have to be a technical person to be the mayor of a major city. So yeah. I think that's a great thing to have in him. Starting trouble. Starting <laughs> trouble. <laughs> Starting trouble. I there agree, there was a campaign <laughs> campaign to get more scientific folks into politics. I don't think. Because a lot of us are introverts, so I don't think that's going to work. You have to have a special personality for that. Uh, but I think, you know, what I've seen in the last year of, of coming here to Atlanta is encouraging. Mm -hmm. I think the things that I've seen here around innovation and the startup culture here have been great. We just wanted to be inclusive. We just wanted everyone to be knowledgeable about the opportunities. You know, Georgia Tech in particular sits right in the heart. Uh, of, of diverse communities, uh, but it's not necessarily as diverse as it could be. So, mm -hmm. you know, just exposing folks to, some folks don't even know the mayor has a chemical engineering degree. Mm -hmm. So just exposing folks to, you know, the opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, what's going on. I tell people all the time, everybody should be excited about this biotech coming to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I have my ideas of, of how this could be kind of like the hub, uh, maybe not on par with Chicago, but a hub uh, for healthcare and medicine and mm -hmm. medicine. 
ed tech. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of incredible uh, uh, black scientists and doctors doing things, but they're scattered around the country. I don't think if someone said, where can I go to get some information? I don't think there's one city that could raise their hand. It was mm-hmm. like, you can come here and get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Atlanta could be that. Yeah, I think Atlanta could be that. So I'm so encouraged by, you know, the work that Portal is doing, uh, you know, over there at Science Square Atlanta. Uh, but also the interest uh, of folks who maybe they would have never thought about biotech before they got a biology degree, but they thought they were going to go work in a lab. Yep. So I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing. And uh, I have friends who are like, now, why are you doing this in Atlanta? I was like, because first movers always get yeah. the most. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to be first the first. First in class, first. best in class. That's right. So yeah. then when people think of biotech and certainly uh, black women, they're like, oh, well, Erica, you had to go through Erica. So are there, um, and I, I will we'll be kind of um, with Suna and I asking a couple of closing questions. You've been generous with your time. Thanks mm-hmm. for the conversation today. But one of the questions I would ask is, are there, uh, what, what is your partnering approach? Who are you looking to interact with? Um, where are the right nodes that BeWise is trying to plug into um, so that our listening audience has an appreciation for either how to find you or what are the best ways to connect, whether it's you know young talent looking to access the pipeline mm-hmm. or companies that are looking to identify those those talents. Well, we we discovered that for mid to senior level folks who are looking for their next role and for organizations who are looking for them, they're not going to travel to a conference, right? So we have quarterly career fairs where folks can just close their doors and participate either on the candidate side or on the the company side. Uh, It's certainly less cost than having to ship people around the country to these these, uh, events. And you're building pipelines. That's what I tell people. I'm helping you build the pipeline. They just happen to be from this particular demographic. Mm -hmm. Everyone is welcome. Uh, I've learned from the recent news that you want to be inclusive of everyone. You do not have to be of the same demographic as me to be a part of what we do. And so that's important and helping companies find talent. I always tell folks I want our corporate partners to be employers of choice, right? When you see us post something, oh, well, BeWise verified it, so it must be a great organization Mm. to work for. So that's number one what we're doing and then that regard. And then just being a resource. Right now I think if you wanted to find, you know, jobs in tech or whatever, there's really not a lot for experienced folks. There's a lot mm. for early career folks, but not as much for once you've had 10 years experience. Sure. So we want to be that point of contact uh, across all industries. We do a lot in pharma right now. Uh, it's funny, too, because that's where the real value can begin to to. Um really accelerate mm-hmm. at the 10 year mark 15 exactly. year mark right and exactly. maybe applying it in a different way than you've been applying it for so long and they've but, seen different but it's such things. an important you know point in a in an individual's career and I would imagine there's kind of a fork in the road. I mean, mm-hmm. one is, you know, lift off and another is either just kind of flatline or almost burnout. So almost that's burnout. that's an important part. And and to know that there's a place and I always say come to the career fair. I don't I'm not worried about you looking for a job. Make make these connections and that's something key as as technical folks we tend to be introverts we don't want to network it's like Ugh, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's important to build your network of folks before you need it. I always say have a board of directors, your personal board of directors, so that when you are maybe thinking about a role before you notice they stop 
putting a coffee creamer in the cafe that they're about to have a layoff, that you have a network of folks that, oh, are you looking? Are you open? That's what we're really trying to do on the corporate side. And then for the corporations, we want to help them build these pipelines. I'm not trying to put external recruiters out of business, but we want folks to have pipelines of folks so that there's never, oh my gosh, I've looked everywhere. I can't find this talent. It's just like, oh, I talked to Suna three months ago. I wonder if she's still interested. That's what we're trying to facilitate and make things easier. That's what engineers are supposed to do, improve processes and yeah. make things better. And so that's what we're trying to do. I like that. On a human scale. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like with that, like what is, what's the vision that you're, you're working towards, but especially as I know you're thinking about, you know, entering the incubator space mm-hmm. for, for talent that wants to be more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Like what impact are you really seeing? Like, that you're just like, this is going to happen because I know we have the talent. I know we have the capabilities. Right. And you're convening this, this um, especially like black women. Like exactly. Where do, where do you see this impact leading? You know, I think people think it's the discovery, it's the idea, and formulated is the hard part. No, it's the little things that are keeping people from moving forward and starting businesses. So we want to eliminate that. We are in discussions with some wonderful folks in Houston about having some space, some lab space, so that folks who have an idea come test it out. You know, we're looking at low levels of equity to to get them the support and help early on because it's that early part is really critical. If you don't get some support early on, your idea could die. So making sure that we have relationships with entities that are both obviously prominent, but also have resources, whether they're uh, human resources or financial resources, so that a journey that's already hard, this is hard for anyone, regardless of gender or ethnicity, it's hard. Would you say that, John? I would say that. It's yes. hard. It's really hard. <laughs> it's it's indiscriminate. It's yeah. yeah. It's it's hard. Yeah. And so, at least taking the, the the I won't say ancillary, but taking the things that trip up so many folks out of the picture, so they can focus on the technology and the science and making the relationships and coming up with novel ideas. I think back twenty years ago, we didn't have Lyft, we didn't have Uber. Right now, that's so commonplace. So, who is the next? you know, CEO of these companies, whether it's biotech or anything, and clearing the path so they can focus on that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we want to do. We want to partner with some wonderful organizations. One of our wonderful, wonderful partners is Chan Zuckerberg, uh, who is is doing wonderful things around the country. Uh, I would love if anyone's listening to see a Chan Zuckerberg in Atlanta, I'm just saying. That would be kind of cool. That would be cool. Uh, I just think uh, having... She's getting a check later. Are they doing doing something called a biohub or something like that? (laughs) <laughs> They're looking for their next one since they just announced New York. Um, I would just love for folks who I'm a matchmaker by 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 personality, and I would just love folks who are like I want to invest. I want to, and I was like I have folks to invest in. I would love to have that around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some great relationships in Chicago, obviously uh, Boston and the Bay Area. I would just love to formalize that so we could be kind of the first stop. On the on the journey to prepare folks to go to Portal, to go to Y Combinator, to wh- wherever, mm-hmm. but they're ready and they're they're commercializable and uh, they're fundable, yeah. uh, and they have all the tools that they need at least to level the playing field. Now it's still going to be hard, as John said, it's hard. It is hard. That's why there are only a few people doing this. It mm-hmm. would be a lot more if it was easy, but at least take away some of the stumbling blocks that are easy. Yeah. you know, that are easy to. 
take see the care. options so you can make decisions early on. Yeah. You know, again, you can't remove the risk, but you can certainly improve the chances that you make better choices by seeing what the options are, are early. You Absolutely. Know, and making those choices relies on having people around you, having a market around you, and so and a community around you to to kind of. And encourage you to take that risk as well Absolutely. with with optimized outcomes. Absolutely. Well, Erica, I mean, it's been a true pleasure talking to you today. Likewise. An inspiration. Really excited about the future. Absolutely. And um, the impact that you're that you've already had, but the impact that you know you envision having going forward in um, not only in Atlanta but really around the country. We can't wait. And we look forward to collaborating well, we, with you. We will be. If you want to know where uh, B Wise is, we we will be following Portal around the country. I feel like you're stalking us. <laughs> heard you coming to Houston. I yeah. mean, I thought I saw you. Did I see this you last is, night? I think I've seen John three times in the last <laughs> nice. six months. Nice. Everywhere John is, I shall be. <laughs> well, that's the definition of the portal. I mean, you know, you just—it's hard. To, once you go in, it's hard to get out. That's right. That's right. That's I right. like you here, so, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> Well, thanks again. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Thanks for joining us today. It was another great episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our guest today and were inspired the way I was. Looking forward to reconvening again in two weeks. Please visit our website at labratstounicorns.com. We welcome any of your comments, feedback, ideas. If you want me to ask certain questions of guests or you have ideas of people that we should be interviewing. That is all goodbye. 